nationalist fervor in China for this government, which feels pressured, you know, the anti-corruption campaign, all that's a reaction to it. This is, this is something they can't show any softness on. Their legitimacy depends upon maintaining a decent economy, but just as even more, it's maintaining the integrity of, of the country called China. Talk now about, we have this crisis now, many crises. Uh, how will it play itself out? What will have to happen now? Well, uh, and what are choices out there? I mean, I, I'm certainly with Richard that I think this is serious, and I don't think it's serious because we have to have a crisis just because he picked up the phone. They they do recognize that that act by itself as a president-elect, as unusual and unconventional as it is in the context of the big relationship and an unusual and unconventional president-elect Trump, they could live with that. But there's a lot of other messages that are being sent. And you mentioned yourself, additional tweets right afterwards saying, you know, the Chinese um, are taxing our goods coming in and we don't tax theirs. And the Chinese are the ones that are expanding their military in the region. And the Chinese are the ones that are manipulating their currency. He, he, he didn't you know, he didn't say it was just not a big deal. He doubled down yeah, on it. but he had it. said all of those things during the campaign. That's right. Every one of them. Hey, he said a lot of things during the campaign. The question is, what's he going to do now that he's president-elect when he actually has a team around him? And I, look, I think the Chinese government, their view of Trump when I met with them, which was all of a week ago, was, hey, we don't know this guy, but he's a businessman. He's certainly not going to be criticizing us on human rights or our domestic internal uh, policies. And if he's a hard negotiator, well, we're hard negotiators too, but we can deal with that. Furthermore, there's a little bit of not quite triumphalism. But if you saw Xi Jinping when he gave his big keynote speech at the Apex Summit in Lima a couple weeks ago, that was the one speech at that summit. Obama didn't give a speech there. Um, and he said, look, we're the ones that are going to lead and drive globalization if the United States is not. This is very different than the China that Richard and I have been talking about for years, that they're small and they're not ready. And, and they're don't, not imperialistic and all of that. And this is a China that sees that there is a lot of room for them to actually... Do they believe, uh, regardless of this incident, that there is a power vacuum in the United States? I mean, in the world. They do. They think and that, that they can fill that vacuum. They don't. They can't fill all of it, but they do certainly understand that with the not with the Trump administration driving a spike into the Trans-Pacific Partnership, they understand that American allies in the region are very disconcerted that they don't know that they can count on the United States the way they had heretofore, and that China can do more. Just today, Xi Jinping announces that he's going to go to Davos for the first time. We're going to see the president of China at Davos. Now, that's a that's Western globalization. Why would they show up there? Well, you know, Trump's going to be inaugurated in the United States while Davos is going on. This is a very interesting time for the Chinese to show that they're the ones that are writing the checks. They're the ones driving multilateral architecture. They're the ones that invited the new uh, Secretary General Antonio Guterres to Beijing, treating him like a head of state and actually saying the UN is the most important multilateral organization in the world and we are going to do everything possible to support it. Could you imagine President-elect Trump saying that? So from that perspective, China absolutely sees room to run uh, with this administration in particular. And these are not coincidental things. What's your reaction to what he just said in terms of, of this vacuum or and this opportunity for the Chinese to say uh, we are now prepared? In the beginning, we always talked about peace and prosperity. Now we're talking about peace, prosperity, and influence. 
there's a lot to this. Uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the trade deal, but that was central to the American rebalance or pivot to Asia. The fact that it didn't happen means that the third leg of this stool just got knocked out and the stools aren't very stable without it. They read a campaign that talked about America first. So their view is the United States is less inclined, which they already thought after Iraq and Afghanistan, already the United States is less inclined to play a, a role. They've seen the comments about distancing ourselves from, from allies. So they, they, they see all that and they see this as something of an opportunity. China's always been a mixture, an odd mixture, a unique one, of a developing country and a major power. And I think what we're beginning to see is a slight shift in the emphasis, a little bit less of a developing country, to some extent they've begun to arrive, and a little bit more of a major power. That's not per se bad. Uh, the real question is how they exercise that power. Do they integrate into an international order that's based on principles we can embrace, or do they have a very different idea about, about how things in Asia and the world ought to operate?